Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Celestial Somology, where astronomy is viewed through the telescope of biblical prophecy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Joe Musidla and Matthew Miller. It's good to be with you. We're going to talk about some celestial somology. Of that, there can be no doubt. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, celestial mechanics, what's going on in the heavens, and... uh, we were looking over an article, so why don't I just let uh, Joe take the reins and explain to us how this came about. Okay, um, let's see. This uh, this one was in Universe Today, uh, Space and Astronomy News. It was an article, came out December 28th uh, of this year, and it was uh, it kind of got a, a, a picture on the top of it, but anyways, uh, something twice the size of Earth slammed into uh, Uranus and knocked it over on its side. Um, Astronomers think they know how Uranus got flipped onto its side. According to detailed computer simulations, a body about twice the size of Earth slammed into Uranus between three to four billion years ago. The impact created an oddity in our solar system, the only planet that rotates on its side. Um, Let's see. A study explaining these findings was uh, presented at the American Geophysical uh, Union's AGU fall meeting in Washington, D.C., held between December 10th through 14th. It is led by uh, J- Jacob uh, Kagaris, a researcher at Dunham University. It builds on previous studies pointing to an impact as the cause of Uranus' unique orientation. Taken all together, we're getting a clear picture of why Uranus rotates on its side compared to the other planets in our solar system. The impact also explains why Uranus is unique in other ways. Uh, see, when the solar system uh, formed, it all started with massive cloud of gas and dust. The cloud swirled as it became more dense, and eventually the sun formed in the center, and the rest of the gas and uh, dust swirling around it. The sun contains about 99.8% of the mass in the solar system, and the remaining 0.2% swirled about it. Clumps began to form into planets we know today. Uh, as they, let's see, uh, as they formed, the rotation of the gas cloud was imparted to planets, so all the planets rotate the same way except for Uranus and Venus, which was likely struck by an asteroid. Uh, the planets aren't exactly alike. Earth is tilted on its axis a little, giving us seasons, and so are Jupiter, Neptune, and Saturn to varying degrees. But they're still oriented more or less the same as the rest of the planets and moons. But Uranus isn't. It is tilted on its side relative to its fellow planets by 98 degrees. Uh, that is a whopping tilt right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it literally rolls on its side. So, Joe, what's your your thoughts about this? Now, I appreciate the simple fact that they did give us information I didn't expect them to, uh, but they did, which was rather surprising, the simple fact that there are two planets that do this. Venus and Uranus do this. They, they have retrograde motion, retrograde spin. And I appreciate the simple fact that this meeting was from December 10th to the 14th. I hope everybody realizes that that December 10th is actually the eighth day of Hanukkah. This is the day that the Hanukkah miracle took place. Uh, This is the second of Tevet. So... 
ladies and gentlemen, this is probably set on this date for more reasons than one, because, well, the Jewish people themselves know that the, well, the menorah represents the planets in the heavens. They know that, so I find that pretty interesting as well, that they chose this day to have their meeting and release their findings. So I find that very apropos, because the Jews, first and foremost, know all about celestial somology. So, Joe, what what do you think the Bible has to say about this, or anything about geophysics or celestial mechanics? What's your ideas? Do you think this is important to Bible prophecy, shall we say? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. He's, uh, well, he's kind of, he's, he's given you uh, these celestial bodies, uh, these signs in the heavens, uh, as well as, as their, well, everything that he, he does has a purpose and a reason in, in what they do and what they perform. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of brings me back to uh, the beginning of uh, when uh, I guess things would have been right or perfect or good, as he said, and we're a witness to things being now off. And I, I find it interesting now that the scientific community is starting to, well, catch up to what uh i guess the bible's been saying this whole time about these things so uh, as far as a uh well a celestial uh interloper and the uh nice model uh as far as uh jupiter uh the uh that planet uh coming out of its place and sweeping across uh the known galaxy or the known uh well trying to think of the word uh our solar system is what i'm trying to say so yeah all these things uh are very interesting indeed um you have to begin to understand that god can say a whole lot more with what he says than what is originally taken on the surface i mean yes there is a literal interpretation of scripture uh, there is a prophetic interpretation of Scripture, and that's where people stop. They stop right there. They have no uh, no way of knowing, really, because, well, it's kind of like when something gets your attention. If your t attention is not brought to it, you're not going to focus on it. But when you realize that God says a whole lot about the system and about well, we're not going to talk about every one of the planets, but uh, the Nice model has absolutely proved, mathematically speaking, that's why NASA supports it, that the two twins in the heavens, they've always been called the twins. Uh, when you look at them through a telescope, it's really hard to tell them apart, as a matter of fact. But Neptune and Uranus swapped places. Now... When you take a look at the seven churches in Revelation and realize that they're actually talking about uh, celestial mechanics and celestial bodies, that puts this being the church and the message assigned to Philadelphia. This is Uranus. And something will grab your attention. When you're reading at verse 11 of Revelation chapter 3, it says, I am coming quickly. Hold firmly that which you have so that no one takes your crown. Ding, 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 ding. Now, whenever you look at the celestial objects, take note that, well, everybody knows about Pluto. It was demoted uh, from being a planet, but that's not what was ever really important. What is important is that it crosses into Neptune's orbit. It crosses the line and comes into Neptune's orbit. Now, just this year, um, 
you know, I was doing more research on this because it was released in June of 2015 that Pluto and its moon, Charon, share a common center of gravity, i.e., they go around each other, and it is a beautiful dance. Uh, you can get this on the web, but this this news article is from sciencenews.org. They posted the video in color from the satellite as it passed by, and it does look just like a crown spinning in the heavens. It's absolutely beautiful. You begin to realize, uh, utilizing celestial symbology, that that's exactly what happened, that well, ladies and gentlemen, looking at this in this light, you get a hint and a clue that when they swap places, Neptune stole Pluto and Chiron from Uranus, and that makes this off the charts. And when you really get down to it, you realize why uh, verse 13 uh, says what it says. This is going to be one of the final events, and then the assembly is made clear. So you're also told here that Jupiter is going to do its grand tack quickly. Now, there's no debating that Jupiter had a grand tack and that the uh, fifth gas giant Nice model already posted by NASA. Mathematically speaking, it's been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. But here we're told that Jupiter is going to come quickly. So it's during this machination that obviously uh, Uranus is not going to lose any of its crowns. But when we look at this prophetically and realize that this, these last two churches are actually the twins, which has many representations in the heavens, uh, take for note uh, that... Uh, the twins in the heavens, the constellation, that represents them both. Uh, they both have separate uh, representations among the constellations. One is, of course, Aquarius, which represents Ganymede when he was taken uh, by the eagle to heaven to be the cupbearer of the gods. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what God intends to do. And it just goes on and on and on, uh, the information that can be gleaned here. Uh, take note that verse 12 states that uh, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will go out from there no more, which is exactly what happens. Um, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my own new name. You know exactly who he's talking about. Uh, there is no debating who he's talking about. No question. I mean, we'll just go right to Revelation chapter 14, and I'll read it to you. I saw and behold the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, which is the heavenly throne room, which is where the Ark of the Covenant is right now. Revelation plainly states that. And with him a number, 144,000, having his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So there's absolutely no question uh, at all who he's referring to. Prophetically, there's just no doubt about it. Now, that's a whole lot of information. Yes, this plays part and parcel with, well, uh, the celestial scapegoat. And that's a whole lot to talk about, too, if people don't realize that the New Testament loudly screams that the atonement sacrifice is only half done. Christ facilitated uh, per the law the sacrifice to the Lord, to God the Father. The whole purpose for there even being a tribulation is to do the sacrifice of the scapegoat. Now, this is uh, detailed and talked a lot about in conspiracy theories. They never cover the actual sacrifice itself. Uh, they only talk about the simple fact that this is where, uh, in Hebrew, the proper name Azazel lies, the scapegoat. But uh, we have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that that second part of the atonement sacrifice is the whole purpose, is the whole reason uh, for there to be a tribulation in the first place. 
Um, so basically, we're seeing representation of the 144,000 in a celestial body, uh, as well as uh, so these two swap places. Um, one is going to get his crown. Uh, Venus being upside down and spinning backwards, that would be uh, the representation of the woman or the bride. Is that correct? That is not only correct. That has always been the case. Okay, so let's, okay. let's, let's lay down some history, Joe. Okay. The Babylonians, you name it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you go in history. Um, Venus always represented the woman, just like in the heavens. Uh, of course, um, everybody knows about the constellation that represents the woman there, Virgo. There's also the queen, uh, Cassiopeia. There's also the crown of the uh, the queen, which is known as Coma Berenice, which everybody should know all about. Bernice, she's in the Bible. She's in Daniel. So, yes, this has always been the case, and you have to realize that this is why Revelation chapter 12 starts out with celestial symbology. God is forcing you to accept what he's trying to give to you, or he gives you a heads up. Let's, let's put it that way. That's the whole reason why Revelation states it the way it does. And beyond any shadow of a doubt, Venus represents the woman in Revelation chapter 12. And Uranus represents, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, the male child, the Emmanuel prophecy. Uh, Isaiah chapters 7 and 8, beyond any shadow of a doubt. Uh, of course, this is also the whole reason why uh, Obadiah was written. We, we have to realize what uh, the pyramid scheme has done. And by pyramid scheme, I mean the utilization of currencies. Whoever runs the currency runs the planets, not politicians, and it, and it hasn't been for quite some time. So we have to realize that uh, where we are at is, of course, Edom, whose summit is Mount Esau and whose capital is Babylon. That's where we're at right now. And we have to realize that uh, the third entity... Uh, that's in Revelation chapter 12, is the other part of the rod of iron, that, that male child being one part, and the rest of her children that go on, they're numbered as well, and they're sacrificed uh, per Revelation chapter 20 because they can't take the mark of the beast. So uh, that is Neptune, of course, and that's exactly the way we have it. Uh, we have to realize that when they swap places before what happened, in doing so, at that time, at the beginning of the solar system's of formation, and maybe I should just pause for a minute there. Let us go back to Genesis to see what NASA has proven about Jupiter's grand tack, shall we? I mean, let's just, let's just do this just a little bit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now... This next verse is proven beyond any shadow of a doubt exactly what it was that Jupiter did with its grand tact. It cleaned up the debris, and in doing so, it ingested massive amounts of pure mass. It took on mass is what it did. Now, in doing so, when Saturn locked onto it, and what does Saturn represent in the heavens? Yes, always it has always been known as the father star, so the father of the king. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it pulled Jupiter back out to its present location and doing so, clearing the path for Earth to form. This is beyond any shadow of a doubt. This is exactly what happened. So, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Now, the Earth was formless and empty. What did he say? What did he mean? Exactly what you can get from NASA. Exactly what I just stated. As Jupiter come in... It compressed all the debris closer to the sun, what we call the inner solar system. And then the father reached out and grabbed it and pulled it back out into place. So the earth was formless and void 
and then Jupiter got pulled back out to its proper place, allowing the earth to form. Verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Of course, we can go. <laughs> we all know that that's talking about Christ the King. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you remember that, Joe? Yes, sir. John, the first chapter. What's he stating here? Well, as soon as Jupiter got back to its place, God said, let there be light, there was order. Now, NASA's already proved everything that I have stated mathematically. They've proved it mathematically. This is exactly what God did. And he's given us this highly detailed information. Okay, yes, the passages that we have read so far is literal, and it also has a prophetic interpretation, usually more than one prophetic interpretation. But now you have to understand that God's actually delivering a fantastic amount of highly technical celestial mechanical knowledge. And it's enough to blow you away, but let's get back to what happened. Uranus, it comes inward bound. It comes into the womb, shall we say. Neptune went out into the deep. In doing so, it stole Uranus's crown, Pluto. And probably some other used-to-be moons of Uranus as well. When it did so, you realize going the wrong direction was very devastating to Neptune. It would have incurred massive amounts of debris that was outside of Jupiter and Saturn's sphere of gravitational pull. So as it went back out to its place, it literally got pulverized. Once again, you can prove that's exactly what would have happened mathematically with the common mass ratio of all celestial objects in this solar system. So prophetically, Neptune died. It was obliterated. It was marked. Now, when this takes place again, when we actually see the sign of the Son of Man coming in great glory, which you are literally going to do, Joe. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know that God takes this male child and snatches it to heaven. Hence, they swap place and it ascends, Joe. It ascends. It's going to be the outer one. And the younger, okay will be served by the older. So when they switch when they switch places prophetically, well, now you understand why that male child gets snatched to heaven. It gets it, they, when they swap places, Uranus becomes the furthest planet out. Mm -hmm. It's closest to heaven as you can get. So absolutely off the charts that I appreciate the 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 article and the way it was written. Um, did something hit Uranus? Did something hit, uh, you know, Venus? No, you can't prove that. We have no historical data pertaining to not only the gravitational influences, we don't have the mathematics dealing with the past mass either one of those two planets would have displayed. But what you do know is this. God has done these things for his children so that they might know what was going to happen. Because, Joe, look, the people that wrote that article, the mm -hmm. physicist, the, the scientist, Joe, what do you think will happen to them if they literally see Jupiter come unhinged and getting bigger? and bigger and bigger in its glory. Well, he kind of says their, their hearts will fail. Well, that's exactly what it says, because you realize it would be game over in their mind. Mm -hmm. There would be no surviving that event. But, um, of course, we've you, you have already brought it up that the trigger for this event is the celestial scapegoat. Now, the big problem 
with that is this, that the Lord our God already tells us the scapegoat's end. There is no, no debating it. There is no way for anyone to change what's going to happen. But this is what, this is literally what happens. The beast was taken with him, the false prophet, who worked signs in his sight, with which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Joe, I hate to tell you this, but what I'm going to share with you is real. Do you understand that? It's, yes, sir. It's, it's real, what I'm going to share with you. Mm-hmm. You have to realize that the only reason why that celestial scapegoat can't be seen knowing full well the mathematical conclusions that the gravitational anomalies come up with in our solar system is that it must be pitch black. Mm -hmm. now, unfortunately, we have found three exoplanets, and the only way we could find them, Joe, was the simple fact that they did transits of their parent stars. Right. But as soon as it left the surface of... As soon as it went by their parent star, boom, it was gone. Because the spectral analysis revealed that their libidos was less than flat black acrylic paint. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I this is real. Look up WASP Kin 4B. It's real. It's real, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just do... A precursory search on Trez 2B. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's real. You need to understand it's real. Now, you also need to understand uh, something that's very disturbing. All three of these planets that were found are right on top of their stars. They surmise that, well, it's rather confusing. How can they be? I mean, they're closer than Mercury, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. And they must be fantastically hot. Why don't they glow? This doesn't make sense. They can't be that close to their parent star and yet not be able to be seen. That's literally a little impossible when you think about it, unless there is something like titanium in the upper atmosphere. There's things going on, but you cannot see these planets, ladies and gentlemen. They are the same color as the backdrop of stars. Let me explain that to you again. If you're in a cave, ladies and gentlemen, and you paint an object flat black and shine a flashlight on it, you still can't see it. Do you understand that? We don't receive any light from them. Mm -hmm. So, with that in mind, God's already told you what's going to happen to the celestial scapegoat. Jupiter is not only going to keep us in this window of 2%, Joe, because that's where you're at, 2% window. If the Earth right. goes 2% closer to the sun, we're dead. You're, you're dead. And 2% farther away, guess what? You freeze. You're dead. So... What happens in this slingshot event is that Jupiter reaches out, grabs a celestial scapegoat, corrects its orbit as well, and it puts it on a trajectory to go straight into the sun. Now, I wish that NASA, you know, hadn't found these planets. I wish that, uh, you know, none of these things were true or real. I wish this was all science fiction fantasy, Joe. But it's not. These things are right. real. So, knowing that, knowing that God's even given us at least three examples of this, does this make you feel better or does it make you feel worse? Uh, it makes me feel better. It makes me feel better. Um, that way I'm not uh, – well, my – my heart won't fail me. I will know. I will be expecting what is to come. 
So, yeah, it's it's I mean, it's not um, I mean, it's good news and, and, and not good news, I guess, at the same time. But, you know, it starts out kind of like, ooh, ouch. And then, you know, it winds up being, well, glorifying him and then bringing about, well, the end of this pyramid structure that those of us that are under it really have learned to really hate. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to Christ rule. I'm looking forward to his kingdom. Um, you know, so many things. So many things that, uh, but yeah, we're going to, as as he keeps saying over and over again, we're going to have to endure. That's right. We're going to have to endure. And, well, I mean, that can be good. That can be bad. Correct. Um, correct. But that's all. That's all correct. dependent upon you. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. how you take it. And it's amazing watching people. Well, let's use an historical example of the trenches. Some people come out of those trenches all right. Other people never really come out of those trenches in World War One or World War Two. They mm-hmm. they never really come out of the trenches. They stay there. But it it all depends on well, I think that you put it properly, your faith. Uh but when you realize that God is telling you all these magnificent things about celestial mechanics when he's telling you uh, literal information and prophetic information and alphanumerical information, there is tons of information that he gives with every single thing that comes out of his mouth. Because, Mm -hmm. well, he's God. So we will probably never know everything it says until we enter the kingdom of heaven, which is that thousand-year reign of Christ which is when we are changed. Uh, so it's it's exciting to for me to look into the heavens. I already know what the Bible says, so I look for God to tell me about it in the sciences. And he always does. He always does. And, you know, I was waiting for all these things to become breaking news very long, I mean, 20 years ago. I mean, Joe, you have to take this to the bank that I've always known um, that, well, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? You think that the planets go around the sun's equator, right? Oh, no, it don't. Something has tilted the sun seven degrees off its axis. That's why they know exactly where to look for the celestial scapegoat. They know its angle. They know its orbital path is not flat down on the orbital plane or the ecliptic. It's tilted. Off of the uh, sunspots, yes. isn't it? Yes, you can you can clearly see it. Uh, it is not at a zero-degree axis. So we know the celestial scapegoat is there. We know that's what did that. And it's exciting to follow, you know, the space news knowing full well God's already told us what's going to happen and it ain't go- it's going to be exciting to me and it's too bad that most people don't don't realize that and when they see something like you know Jupiter over the days getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then there's going to come a point where they're going to have to release the information i mean they they they're going to have to mhm you know and it's amazing how everything's normal now, Joe. I mean, right. it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, now the fish kills are, well, they're normal. Uh, dolphins washing up with burn marks on their back because the sun was so hot. No, that's normal. Um, entire schools of fish dying, and they bring them up and test them, and they're like, uh, why wasn't the ocean oxygenated? Well, that's normal. Everything's normal now. And it just absolutely blows me away. But what's your thoughts on that? That now everything's normal. I mean, no matter what happens, it's normal. Well, you know, it's, it's – I think, one, that they have to keep the the panic level down. Um, is I, I, would, I would imagine that would be their 
there some well at least some I can't speak for all of them I don't I don't know but uh, I would think that some of them would uh, are afraid that it would uh, ensue mass panic which was I, I think they know full well uh, the things that are coming and it you know it, it kind of made me think about that wall that they're wanting to build between the north and the south uh, bringing the troops back home, uh, it, it seems to me that they're preparing for when these things do kick off. They're preparing for mass chaos uh, across the earth of, of, of literally people uh, not flipping out over what is coming on the earth um, or, or the signs in the heavens. So I, that's kind of my thoughts. I don't know. You know, I can't say for sure, but that's that's where my mind tends to go of, of looking at the different things in the headlines. And it's interesting. Uh, today was uh, do a weekly Bible study, and we were discussing that very thing of, of you know, what is normal now. And we were, we were talking about the weather patterns, and especially in the state where I live, of, of how, you know, I, I could bring up article after article of, of the snowpack reducing over the last 12 years. Uh, in in the mountains and and that's that's scary that's scary uh the the Colorado River uh feeds uh several states downstream and if we don't have the snowpack well they don't get any water uh it means uh it means you know crops die and and you know if our food sources are dying at an alarming rate that's that should be alarming to us so we were Talking about you know, or basically our food sources dying at an alarming rate today at, at, in Bible study is we we have to we have to discuss these things we have to talk about them we have to uh, have them on our radar. Well, Joe, let's let's talk about that. Let's 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 talk about some more information. I mean, this would be clearly um, terrifying to well astrophysicists, but you have to realize that mm. Joe. We are also prophetically told what happens to the, well, the false prophet. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 8. The second angel sounded and something like a great burning mountain was thrown into the sea. One third of the sea become blood. Now you know. Joe, <clears throat> I talked about it before, but this is the proof in the pudding. This mountain is obviously a crown of the scapegoat. It is obviously something in its orbital trajectory. And you have to realize that this is proof in the pudding that Jupiter drastically alters its course to cause it to dive into the sun. Because Jupiter has managed mm. to take uh, one of these scapegoats' crowns or moons. Um, of course, mm -hmm. this can uh, – well, for instance, Uranus – uh, a lot of the objects surrounding orbiting Uranus, you would not call a moon. It's too small. But he, here is proof right. of the pudding as to where Jupiter is inbound for. He is coming toward uh, Earth's orbit. And, uh, well, that exchange, it rips off one of the scapegoat's crowns or the crown. We don't we don't know how, how many crowns it would have or how many moons, how many orbital objects it would have. But here you get the prophetic information as to, well, what I read to you before, the end of the game. They're both thrown into the lake of fire. So mm. this information would be quite terrifying. Um, if, if an astrophysicist right. was to believe that an asteroid was to have a deep impact. Now, you and I both know they all believe mm -hmm. that would be in-game, correct? I mean, correct. they're terrified of that happening. And if they right. realize that uh, this is literal, it is prophetic, and it is also, astronomically speaking, going to happen, it makes you wonder if – well, Joe, you know, let's talk about backyard <laughs> um, – well, astronomers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm -hmm. realize that for fifteen hundred bucks, you can get a top grade telescope, right? Oh yeah, Joe. 
what would you think if you were tracking an object through the heavens that was coming straight for Earth, but it was orbiting something, and you noticed that it was going around and around something, but you couldn't see it? Oh, Joe. Imagine you're looking up from your backyard, and you're not telling anybody about it, but you keep seeing this bright object. You have the wherewithal to do the calculations. You know it's earthbound, but it's only visible half the time. What's that tell you? It's orbiting something you can't see, correct? Right, correct. No, that would be terrifying. That would... If you really had the wherewithal, and you had the ability, you had the calculators, you knew how to produce the calculations, it very well could scare you to death. It very well could scare you to to the point. Rather than face that, you'd do what? Yeah, commit suicide. You'd commit suicide. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. this is one of the things that people really don't talk about, that Jupiter is going to steal one of the scapegoat's crown, and in doing so, it's going to put it on a suicide course directly into the sun. I mean, this is the whole purpose for celestial somology. It's the whole purpose that God did exactly what he said he was going to do in Genesis chapter 1. He didn't. He wasn't playing with anybody. He said exactly what he meant. Um Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the deep from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. Now, keep reading. Let's find out prophetically why there is a planet and moons, or why there is a star with crowns. Verse 15. Oh, <clears throat> and let them be for lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. Prophetically, he just told you, Joe, about planets and their moons. Your comments. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. My comments on that. Um, you know, I, I, I had thought about that uh, inbound. Uh, we had talked about that in private, the, uh, the scapegoat um, uh, and the libido uh, being you know, less than zero basically, or, or, you know, not being visible and different things that it's, you know, you might look up and see that certain constellations were not there or parts of them were missing. And what would you do? And, and, uh, you know, who would you call? And, 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 you know, that, that gave me pause. That gave me pause. You know, who would I tell and who would understand? And, uh, without freaking somebody out completely. And then, uh, you know, I guess growing up, you know, my dad was uh, very much into astronomy and, and we did have uh, telescopes uh, growing up in the backyard and and, and things like that. So oh, that just, uh, well, I could picture all that in my mind uh, just, just from my youth experiences of what, that would be like uh terrifying um as far as the the uh, greater light and the uh lesser light um i i always picture that as as being uh the moon or the moons the uh the lesser light uh to rule the night um the greater light i always thought was uh the sun itself unless i'm mistaken oh, it on that it is it is okay but- okay you have to realize that, Joe, he's relaying more information than your brain can contain. But you're right. On the surface, he is talking about the moon and the sun. Yes, he mm-hmm. is. But he's right. also talking about a whole lot more. Because right. per his own rule, his rule is what? You can only know the end from the beginning. 
So when you read mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 1, Joe, you better realize, well, all this has to have something to do with the last book of the Bible, Revelation. It has to because that's his own rule. That's right. That's his rule. Mm-hmm. It's not ours. So, right. So you know, yeah. So he's he's literally telling you about the the lesser uh, within the same frame or uh, context of that's what right. is to come. That's why he's put it that. I mean, that's a perfect way to put it. A mm-hmm. lesser and a greater. That's the perfect way to put it. You can apply that to why. Well, why objects orbit one another? We orbit the sun, the moon orbits us, and it goes on and on and on. That's why. Right. Be- because right. those those verses have to make sense. Using astronomy, they have to make sense. There's no way around it. So all of that is is extremely prophetic. Um, and I wonder how many people didn't realize that uh, there were two planets in this system that have retrograde spins. The woman mm-hmm. and the male child. This male child that is going to ascend. It's going to be snatched to heaven. And and I already read the verses proving to you that's well, that can only be talking about uh well, those found in Revelation uh chapter fourteen. And this must also prophetically be speaking about the same exact church of Philadelphia mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapter three. It 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 has to. Now is is this uh, also Gen- uh, Genesis thirty eight twenty seven? Uh, why would you ask me about that particular verse? I'm very curious about that. Mm. Uh, just because there was twins in her womb, and that's what uh, when I was reading about uh, uh, Uranus and uh, Neptune, they're they're considered twins. Um, that they're very much uh, well, very close. That they consider them the celestial twins, and then uh, it, it shows them swapping. You know, in in Genesis uh, thirty-eight twenty-eight, I'll just read it in the NASB. Uh, Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. One put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, "This one came out first. Uh, 29 says, uh, but it came out as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out. Then she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Uh, Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named uh, Zara. Well, Joe, um, that's the whole reason why the book of Revelation was written. Um, yes, this has everything about it. There's so much here. Um, it's absolutely amazing that people don't realize that this must have been what Joseph was thinking about because, of course, Judah planned to exercise judgment. And Joseph, when he found this out about Mary that he was betrothed to, he was a righteous man, Mm -hmm. so he chose to put her away quietly. So... You have to realize this has everything to do with the woman. So this is pure prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the reason why right now, ladies and gentlemen, you have to realize that, yes, um, Tamar was definitely not, uh, well, of the children of Israel or Judah or any other uh, tribe. And that's where Jesus came from. That is Jesus's lineage. You can look that up. So prophetically, we had mm-hmm. to have this tie-in right here with the – well, the rod of iron, uh, what was going to happen to Mary. Yes, this is pure prophecy, and it is because of this that everything that we've described so far about that rod of iron, uh, one of them is going to be uh, numbered, and then they're going to be sacrificed. Uh, they will then be, uh, of course, risen from the dead to rule with Christ on the ground. And the other group that's numbered, they're taken to heaven, and they stay in heaven. That's where they stay. So for the thousand-year reign of Christ, uh, this male child is still in heaven, is still on Mount Zion. So when you realize that, yes, this is exactly 
what is playing out here. This is the whole purpose of Genesis chapter 38, which is why I was excited to hear about it today. I just, but uh, you have to take note that well, it, it, we have to uh, realize here that the scapegoat and everything else has to be has to be incorporated into this. Uh, let's look at verse 23. Judah said, let her keep it lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this what? Young goat. Mm. I have sent this young goat and you haven't found her. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistakes about it. Yes, you're going to be here. Mm. Yes, you're going to see the celestial scapegoat. Uh, yes, you're going to watch one of its orbital bodies slam into the ocean. Oh yeah, you're going to see all that, but guess what? The scapegoat nor his false prophet will be able to find you. Not going to happen. That's why Judah said what he said. So, you just have to realize that during this time, we're taken to a place that's just like Goshen. Uh, during uh, when, uh, well, Pharaoh in Egypt was being knocked around by the Lord their God. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in a place that's been prepared for us, and we're actually going to have light there, just like it says about Goshen. During the plague of darkness, there was light only where? That's right, where those whom God had straightened was out, Goshen. We're going to be just like that. Now, yes, out there in the outer darkness, Joe, there's going to be hell on earth. I mean, that, that's the only way right. you can put it in today's tongue. I mean, that's what they call right. it, hell on earth. Well, they just don't understand what that's really going to be like. But the Bible does tell you what it's really going to be like. But yes, um, I just found it amazing that uh, you brought that up. But this has everything to do with it. This is why. This is the whole reason why this was written. Because in the beginning, when God set up the earth, when he formed it, I already explained to you how he formed it. The only way that could take place... Now, we've proven this with the mathematics, Joe. We've proved it. That with a fifth gas giant present, Neptune and Uranus would have to swip, swap places. That's why this happened. That's why. So, you actually knew about this thousands of years before mathematics ever proved that Uranus and Neptune would swap places. And they're going to do so again. I mean, this is this is how God gives you the information, and more importantly, He mm-hmm. gave people this information thousands of years ago in a language they would understand because they have no choice. Look, you are forced to do this, Joe. God just told you that He knocked out all of Judah's other children, right? Already told you, yeah. and they've already been told. Well, guess what? The king's got to come from Judah. So you don't have to mm-hmm. like any of this. God is is literally forcing you to accept, you know, thousands of years ago, that the Messiah, he will wear a coat of many colors. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, there's a, the, all these movements where people make themselves special, uh, like the uh, Afro-American uh, Hebrew uh, Jews, which has me completely confused. But, but anyway, they think they're special. They think that Jesus, that Jesus came from them because they're black. And we can just keep going, of course. Uh, we all know what the Aryans think. Well, Jesus must be an Aryan. You know, mm-hmm. He must have you know, blonde hair and blue eyes. It's the same thing. Everybody wants to be special. But here you're told point blank that, no, no, that ain't what's going to happen. Um, the Messiah is going to uh, be able to be the savior for the whole planet, just not somebody special. So this fa- this facilitates right. the whole thing, because you'll take note that those that are in the outer darkness, incurring God's wrath, uh, they would die just as quickly as we would if Jupiter would not come in and correct all mm-hmm. of our courses. And you, you just have to accept that fact. Right. Um, so anyway, you're uh, you take the mic for a few. What's your thoughts? What are you thinking about all this? And your explanation as to for why you saw that in, in Genesis thirty-eight. 
Um, well, I was uh, studying on the the planets, um, uh, and and you know, you just you know you look at one and then you you can't help but start clicking on other things of well what is well what's that you know well why do they say that or what do they say this for and you start you know kind of working your way around and, and you, you you know lo and behold you discover oh hey they're twins wait a second I know there's twins in the Bible. Um, and so then I had I was like if they're if they're called twins and everyone uh, knows that they're called twins even in the scientific community it says well these are twins and and then you know I, I go back into uh, well I guess what we call today's term Wikipedia and then they give the history of well they've always been called that um, well then I know it has to be there has to be something in the Bible that says that there has God has to that had to come from him. That didn't. We didn't just make that up. So that had to come from him, and he's trying to show us something more. So then I just started uh, searching around and looking, and and lo and behold, came across uh, Genesis 38. That is kind of interesting. Um, well, it's, I mean, he comes right out and tells you, Joe. Um, you, you know. Well, like I said, I already mentioned that Joseph was obviously thinking about what happened uh, with Judah and Tamar. Let me read a couple of verses here. Um, okay. Genesis chapter 38 and verse 24. It happened about three months later. Ooh. First trimester. Uh, that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, she's played the prostitute. Moreover, behold, she is with child by prostitution. Judah said, bring her out. Let her be burnt. And it echoes mm -hmm. in my mind that Joseph was a righteous man, and he was going to put Mary away privately so nobody knew it. Verse 25. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, I am with child. She also said, now listen very, listen very carefully to what she says, Joe. Please discern whose are these, the signet and the cords and the staff. Mm. Right there, you're told way back then, there is going to be a rod of iron comprised of the two sticks from Ezekiel 37. Mm -hmm. And you're told that this prophecy works three different ways. Signet, cords, and staff. So, even though we don't have time to do it now because we're already uh, pushing the hour limit, we can obviously okay. look at this three different ways, correct? Everything we've talked about so far. So, mm -hmm. uh, just a note to yourself. If I was you, I would take those three words there, signet, cords, and staff, and tear them apart. Now, don't, only do it one at a time, because you can do this in Hebrew and Greek, but I don't want your head to explode right off oh. your shoulders. Um, try one or the other. Uh, <laughs> but there is more information here than your brain can contain, or mine. Or anybody's. It's it's that much information is here. Okay, I will look at that. But this phraseology is the same. Um, it says here, uh, you know, this 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 phraseology is is the same. She is with child. Look, it's just it's off the charts. Um, and I did bring to your attention at least one thing: the first trimester is important, but. Uh, Mm. Absolutely mm -hmm. off the charts there. Um, so, uh, good stuff from Genesis chapter 38. Very good stuff. Um, but at least we've given everybody some information that they can look into and investigate. Uh, but that is why, Joe, point blank, I'm telling you point blank right now. Venus and Uranus share a retrograde spin, not due to impact. It's due to the simple fact that they must share a common spin because one being the woman and the other being her child. Mm. And, well, a whole lot of technical data there. That's, um, that's, that's still pretty uh, pretty amazing, pretty wonderful. Oh, yes, it is. Um, especially going back to Genesis and realizing 
you know, when you view the technical data of what happened during Jupiter's grand tack, that's exactly what <laughs> Genesis describes because you know about, well, John chapter 1. You just put John chapter 1 together uh, with other prophetic verses, you know, where Jesus comes right out and tells you that, by the way, you're going to see the sign of the Son of Man coming in great glory. You're going to see it. <laughs> you're not going to like it, but you're going to see it. It's going to scare you. Um, you put those things together with Genesis chapter 1, and it all makes sense. It all absolutely makes right. sense. And, you know, I shared information that my astronomer friends would not appreciate because that's exactly what they're looking for. They know they can't see the scapegoat, but they are mm -hmm. betting they, that it has at least one orbital, and it's not black. It will be normal. Normal libido, they'll be able to see it. The only problem is, is that they're mm. hoping they're not going to see it wink out half the time because that will mean it's orbiting something they can't see. And like I said, we, ladies and gentlemen, you can look these planets up. They are pitch black. They have the libido, if you understand what that is. That's that's how much light they reflect. It's less than flat black acrylic paint. You can't see them. Even if they're right next to the sun, it won't reflect any light. You can't see it. The only way you can know it's coming is if it gets in the way of something else and blacks it out like a cloud. Much like what happens during a, you know, the full moon. If, if you have overcast sky, you still can't see the moon because something's in front of it, the clouds. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you'll take note uh, where they're looking. Um, and this is common knowledge as well. I've uh, shared this before. Uh, the simple fact that uh, when you go to the uh, websites and the researchers, let's just talk about the one that was published. Um, looking for the celestial scapegoat, uh, it was released in Earth Sky that you should uh, start looking toward Orion, which is the sign of the strike in the Bible. Mm -hmm. There's reasons why they're saying that the hunt is on looking for the celestial scapegoat in the direction of the sign of the strike. But um, this is all true. It's all real. It's all going to come to pass. Well, because that's what God stated. So it it is going to happen, Joe. But when you know, mm -hmm. I mean, when you understand these things, you know, whenever you, uh, you know, I'm sure you can get more than one documentary on what we've discussed tonight. And you can look at them, the mathematics and prove them to be true. That's exactly what happened is what we've described. You attribute those things to the Bible, God's holy word, and you come away scratching your head. Oh, my goodness. These things are going to come to pass. And if I don't want to live through them, if they're too terrifying to me, we know what the alternative is going to be. I mean, they're mm. going to take sleeping pills right. or whatever. But, um, you know, mm. this is this is real. I mean, the, the fifth uh, gas giant Nice model, clearly, the mathematics clearly show 100% of the time, this fifth gas giant was ejected. And if it's anything like Tres 2B or and the other ones I, I talked about, you're not going to be able to see it. Not with anything. It's not going to be detectable. But uh, Jupiter is going to correct its course and send it slamming into the sun. And that'll be the end of the matter, is what that'll be. So uh, it's exciting, Joe. At, at least it's exciting for me mm -hmm. to know and realize that all these things have been prophesied thousands of years in advance for my benefit and for your benefit and everybody's benefit. I mean, that's that's right. really good news. So, uh, I guess we better do closing comments, Joe. Um, any final thoughts? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's it's you know it's beautiful and it's and it's also uh you know at least for me it's it's somewhat uh mind blowing uh you know 
it's unfortunate, I guess, that these things aren't, at least in the Western culture, these things aren't really taught, even though they've been here the whole time, but they're just not taught from the pulpit anymore. And, you know, I get so excited when we get to look at these things and, and, you know, even though I'm, I'm, uh, learning as I go, uh, it's still, it, it's amazing. It's amazing to look at. It's beautiful to look at. I spent hours and hours just reading, uh, ever since I saw this article, you know, uh, of looking over just all the different information, all the different data, uh, looking over God's word and, and then finding other things that, that maybe not pertain to this, but still, you know, I've got pages and pages of notes once again, and I'm better off for it. I'm, you know, I've, I've got a lot more studying to do. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pumped. I always get really excited about, you know, when you kind of get that little, uh, you know, somebody says, Hey, take a look at this. And then you don't realize when you open it up that, you know, 12 hours later, you're like, man, I should probably go to bed. Um, but it's, uh, it's awesome. It's really awesome. And I, I enjoy this more than, than, well, <laughs> Another another discussion. I enjoy this way more than in anything else, uh, sports or any of that stuff. So, so once again, thank you for uh, for everything that you do, Matthew. I, I truly, it's truly a blessing, and it's just an honor to uh, to sit with you and discuss these things. So, well, there is one more thing that um, I wanted to shoot across your path. You realize that? What's your thoughts on? Uh, well the plans for when they do find the celestial scapegoat their plans is to name it Hades your thoughts on that that's interesting <laughs> uh Hades wow that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier as the uh i guess the hell on earth thing uh or that uh, there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, that's kind of my thoughts, I guess. Well, this is absolutely fact of the matter. You can look this up on newscientist.com. Search this article from the 22nd of September 2011. Missing planet explains solar system structure. And I've already told you about this, ladies and gentlemen. We know this is why the sun is tilted seven degrees. Um, off the ecliptic, off the orbital path. Um, they know it. They have known it. But uh, this article plainly states that um, the astronomers, its proposed name is Hades. And that should grab your attention because naturally, if they do find it to have a moon, what would they call it? Thanos. Straight from the Greek. Mm. Because, of course... Who follows one? That's right. The Greek states it very plainly, very plainly. Hades and Thanos, or hell and death, whichever translations that you're using. Mm -hmm. But well, Joe, as usual, I had a blast. Um, mm. Do you want to share uh, your information, how to get a hold of you, and all that good stuff, please? Yeah, yeah, you can get a hold of me uh, on Facebook. It is Joe.Muzidla, M-U-Z-Y-D-L-A dot nine. Uh, on Twitter, J.Muzidla. And then my email is uh, kind of odd, but it's uh, what4401 at uh, – oh, I almost messed up. Uh, what4401 at gmail.com. So that's W-H-A-T-F-O-R, then the numerals 401 at gmail.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I do hope that you enjoyed, and I do hope that we inspired you to dig deeper into the Bible, God's holy word. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.